0: Amen, I'm just so thankful to to be here tonight and to be able to minister to the word. Thank you for allowing me to do so, Pastor. Keep you standing for one more moment while we read the word of the Lord, 1 Peter 4, 7. 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, just that one verse of scripture. Amen, it is up on the screen, so we'll go ahead and read it. But the end of all things is at hand. Be sober, therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. Amen. I want to speak to you for a little while tonight on this subject, the necessity and the power of prayer. Amen. In Jesus' name, let's ask the Lord to minister tonight. Father, you are the one we have come to worship, and you are the one that we want to hear from tonight. So I pray that you would bless my heart, bless my lips. Oh, God, anoint us all here tonight to hear the word of God, and to receive it into our hearts. We thank you for this precious word tonight. I pray you would bless us tonight. We love you, and we thank you for all that you have done in our lives, Lord. We give you the praise and the glory right now, and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Last week, Pastor was speaking to us about revival personal revival and revival in the church. And he was saying that if we will have revival in ourselves, then the church will be in revival. And if the church is actually in revival, then we are actually in revival. And I believe that is so true. Now, my message tonight is not necessarily about revival, but it's about prayer. But here's the connection. If we want to have a personal revival, if we want the church to be in revival, then you and I have to be men and women of prayer because that's where revival starts. Revival starts when we're on our knees or praying, not necessarily on our knees, but beseeching God, seeking after God. All revival starts there. In fact, the, um, the awakenings of the 17th and 18th centuries all were fueled by prayer. Once once they asked Spurgeon why he had such a great congregation why there was such power within his services you know what he did he took them downstairs he took them downstairs to a room it was called the boiler room and he opened the door to the boiler room and what was in there were people on their knees praying to God and he said that's why there's so much power in our church amen so consistent prayer is vital Vital for the Christian's existence and so necessary if you and I want to be in revival. There are so many things or areas of Christian living that are so important to us, such as faithfully attending church services, worshiping God, attending prayer meetings, living holy lives or separated lives reading and studying the word of God. So many of these are so important and vital to our daily existence as Christians. But the most important thing we can do, the thing we should never leave out is prayer. Because there is nothing more important to our spiritual existence than our personal prayer life. Amen. Now I want to talk to you for a little bit here about the necessity of prayer. It is something we should all do and can do and must not leave off. Why? Because Prayer is our spiritual lifeline to God. When you pray, you are in the presence of almighty God. You are before the throne of the omnipotent one. Your spiritual survival and my spiritual survival depends on our being in daily communication with our Lord God. Prayer and the word of God will bring us into a close relationship with him. It's where you actually develop your relationship with God. In the prayer closet, if we could call it that. Amen. Our prayers are important. In fact, our prayers are what empowers our preaching and our teaching. Our prayers are what adds anointing to our music and to our singing. It's prayer that can give power to our testimonies. It's prayer that can add anointing to our witnessing, and it's prayer that brings God into every single situation in our lives. Amen. Amen. We all have a special privilege to enter into the presence of God in prayer. You know, we don't need a mediator like they did in the Old Testament. We don't have to bring a lamb and have to kill it and have to ask a priest to go offer that to God for us no because when Jesus was on the cross he cried out it is finished and when he did the veil in that temple from top to bottom was was torn in half and what that was saying to us is this that now the barrier between God and man had been broken down Now, mankind was allowed to come into the presence of God. No longer would God hold us at arm's length and say, no, you can't come into my presence just yet. He was now welcoming all of us into his presence to come before the throne of God. And anywhere you are, any time of the day or night, you have access. I have access to the throne of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And when we are before the throne, we are closer to God than any other time in our day. That is the importance and the necessity of prayer. What a privilege. Think about that for a moment. I don't know. Sometimes I think we rush into things and we don't, we don't let things sink in. But I want something to sink in here this, this evening. When you are in prayer, you are actually speaking To God. Now I know we know that, but if you just close your eyes for just a moment and just let that sink in, when I pray, I'm actually talking to God? Wow. So when we're praying and actually talking to God, we're talking to the Creator, we're talking to the Redeemer, we're talking to the Most High, the Most Holy, the Omnipotent Almighty One. Praise God whom no one can approach unto if he doesn't allow it. But oh, how he wants us to draw near unto him each and every day of our lives. So prayer should be the most important thing we can do, and we need to make a point to pray every day, every single day of your life, even if it's only for 15 minutes. Now, I'm not going to give you a time to pray. That's not why I'm here. I'm not to tell you that. But if you're a new Christian... Let me just say this to you, if you're new and you don't even really feel that you could pray for five minutes, just get along with God every day. I don't care how long it is, five minutes, ten minutes. Just spend that time with God because what will happen is God will begin to work with you. And you'll begin to feel his presence. And the more you are in that room, that five and 10 minutes will become 10 and 20 minutes, 30 and 40 minutes. And before you know it, you'll be spending hours and maybe an hour or maybe more than an hour in prayer to God every single day because God wants you to come close to him. It's crucial for all of us to develop a prayer life. And I'm talking to a lot of, it looks like seasoned veterans here. So I'm sure this is, old hat to you. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes, and I'm not saying this is so, but sometimes even as you get older in the Lord, sometimes we drop off some things. We leave off some things that really we should not drop off in our lives and give attention to other things that are really not as important to those first things that actually drew us so close to God from the very beginning. Amen. 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 Prayer is necessary. Jesus was teaching us this, when he said in luke 18 1 and he spake a parable unto them unto this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint jesus was referring to how we should live during the time before he comes again when he spoke these words to his disciples okay. what he was teaching us is this be persistent in prayer be persistent. That is what we are going to have to do if we are going to be able to live victoriously in this time of the end that we are living in today. That means we are to continually keep our requests and renewing ourselves in the Lord each and every day of our life. Why? Because this, this world has a way of taking the good things out of us and putting the things we really don't want to come near back into us. Amen. Amen. I know because I live in it like you do. Um, So let me ask you a question then. And of course, don't answer these questions out loud. But why don't we pray more than we should? Uh, I guess I asked myself that question, too. Why don't I pray more than I should? I do pray every day. I have a special time that I go to God in prayer, but I should pray more than I do. I think we all could say that. Do we sometimes treat prayer like it's not that important? Like, you know, there might be some other things that I need to do instead of prayer. Or do we sometimes put prayer off and say, well, you know what? I'll pray later on. I got to do this right now. Or do we sometimes go days without prayer? I hope that's not any of us that are in here that would go days without prayer. But if it is, what you need to do is you need to get beside God and you need to start a consistent prayer life all over again. Because prayerlessness is spiritual suicide. Prayerlessness is spiritual suicide. It's the first step to backsliding. Everybody always went, to, oh, how come that person, who was in church all the time, where'd he go? How come he disappeared all of a sudden? How come he backslid? Because he stopped praying, most likely. Amen. God expects you and I to pray. He does. We should have a special time every day when we meet with God. That, I believe, is a necessity because you'll have to make time to meet with God. Because if you decide to, well, when I get a chance to do it, you know what will happen? The devil will fill your clock out each and every hour. He will figure out something to put in there to keep you from going into your prayer closet. And then by the end of the day, you'll find out, oh, I'm too tired to pray now. And this happens day after day after day. You will wear yourself out spiritually. And if you will choose a time and you will make it, a consistent time in your life. You know what'll happen? Those days that you might miss and it happens every once in a while. We all happens to everybody. We all will miss for some reason, one way or another. We'll actually go, wow, I really missed that today. And I believe what happens. And of course I can't prove this by scripture. I don't think I can, but I really believe that God's waiting for us to come into that time. He knows what time we come to pray and he's waiting for us to come and we don't come. I believe he misses our communication, he misses our fellowship too. Amen. I think it's important to God that we pray. In fact, he said it was important for us to pray because many times he said this. He said, "Not if you pray," he said, "When you pray." Notice the following scriptures: Matthew six five, and when thou prayest. Mark eleven twenty four. He said, therefore, say I unto you that what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Matthew 6, 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And Matthew 6, 7. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions like the heathen do. You see, these scriptures all show us that God expects us to pray. God expects us to prioritize our day. And although scripture doesn't tell us when we should pray, how long we should pray, what we should pray for, what posture I'm in when I pray, it does say pray. The word of God wants us, Jesus wants us to pray. Now, When is the best time to pray? Well, that depends on you. Because to me, my best time is in the morning. I give God the best of my day. I give it to him in the morning because that's when I'm as wide awake as I'm going to be. If I wait till the afternoon, I'll be asleep. I know that. (laughs) Just ask my wife. (laughs) But my estimation, that's the best time for me to pray. In fact, the psalm says, Psalm 5.3 says, My voice thou shalt hear in the morning, O Lord in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. And I believe that if you will give God the first part of your day, I believe that God will orchestrate the rest of your day. Amen. When you put God first, God takes care of everything else. In fact, I think Matthew 6, 33, everybody, we probably all can almost, um, uh, say that verbatim, but This is the scripture where it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. But I'm going to read this in the Amplified Bible. Uh, I liked what the Amplified Bible said. It said, but seek, in other words, aim at and strive after. First of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you. Amen. But then... Besides morning being a good time to pray, the Bible says this in Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now, the incense altar in the in the tabernacle and in the temple was a type of praise and worship that as it was as the incense was lit, it, uh, it went up heavenward to God. And so that was twice a day, morning and evening. And so I guess that could also be a type of our prayer. In other words, if you're okay to pray in the evening, pray in the evening. You don't have to pray in the morning. But if you pray in the morning or if you pray in the evening or if you pray at midday, the important thing to do is to pray. Amen. Make sure that you pray. Amen. Because to leave out prayer out of our day would be wrong. And And I even believe it is sinful to leave it out on purpose. And if we fail to have a regular, consistent prayer life, then we will begin to drift far away from God. Now, even though we're born again, and this is something I guess we realize after a while, even though we're born again, our carnal nature still exists, doesn't it? I'm sorry to say that. And if you don't crucify your flesh every single day, what will happen is your old way of life, those old desires that you used to have will resurface and they will start to make provision. You will start to make provision to fulfill the lust of your flesh. So without consistent daily prayer, we start a downward spiral to backsliding. And it doesn't take long to develop. It can happen overnight almost. Let me tell you this. It almost happened to me because there was a point in my life when I was was being told my job was going to be gone. And I had to put in over 20 years in my job already. This was probably back in the 1990s, maybe 94, 95. So I figured I'm going to position myself. I'm going to get myself in the right position that when they kick me out the door, that I'm going to have something to go to so that my family won't be out in the street. So I started going to school computers were getting really big by then. I bought my first computer. I wanted to learn how to program. So I went to a school. Back then, there was tons of schools they used to have in that time before programming. And I went to school to learn how to program. And I got into the class and it was like I was working a midnight shift. I had a family with three children. I had a mom and dad and a brother who were kind of sick. Uh, I had a lot of responsibilities going on in my life. And I decided I was going to school because I had to do this. Three days a week, I would leave work, and I would go to school, and I would be there till 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. By the time I got home, I was exhausted, but I still had to do homework. I still had to eat dinner. I still had to go to sleep. Notice what I'm leaving out. And the next day, some of the other days in between, I didn't, wasn't in school for that, long, that long, but I still was trying to make up work that I didn't get done the day before. And so I was constantly thinking that this, this programming stuff was getting around in my head. In my head, I would lay down at night sometimes and think, and all of a sudden I'd be jumping up out of bed because I remembered what I did wrong. And I, my wife thought I was nuts, and she probably was right. I was. But the whole point I'm trying to make was I was so involved in this, and it was a good thing. You'd figure providing for your family, being on top, getting, you know, getting ahead. Don't let the, don't let the world get, you know, get to the point where it's starting to kick you out of things. And here I was, I was not praying and I was not reading the word of God. And I was going to church. I was an elder. I was going to church. I would be involved in ministry. But I was getting cold as ice. And what I didn't realize, all of a sudden, God must have just hit me on the side of the head. Because all of a sudden, I just realized, I said, you know, I said, if I don't stop this... I'm going to lose my soul. And so I decided, I said, at the end of the semester, I'm quitting. They even offered me a job. I was doing so well that the school offered me a job to program while I was there in the school. And I was like, oh, it's such a great opportunity. But I, I told, my, told my teacher, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I have to leave. He says, oh, really? I said, yes, I have to leave. He says, oh, boy. He says, well, I'm sorry. We can't hire you then i said that's okay no problem and i remember i testified about this on a new year's eve a watch night service and i told i told the congregation that you know i was exactly as i told you and i told them i said i repented i asked god to forgive me at the end of that semester i left that school and i started back to pray and to live to god and it was the best thing i ever did because if i had not done that i would not be standing here tonight ministering to you i needed a spiritual revival i needed god to get hold of my heart again and the only way i knew to do that was to get back to word of god and prayer i repented i was faithful in my study faithful in my worship to god and i believe that god blessed me first peter 4 7 we just read that at the beginning but the end of all things is at hand be therefore sober and watch unto prayer why did peter say that um if he was really thinking about the end that was close at hand, the end of all things, he would be urging believers to get right with God. In other words, be sober minded, be, be self restraint and self controlled, watch the prayer, be wise minded, and not be swept away with emotions and passions. And if Peter thought that the shortness of time, I guess he felt that that would motivate believers to be clear minded and self controlled, and they could pray intelligently and appropriately. But I wonder how much of his failure to watch and to pray in the garden the night Jesus was arrested caused him to use that expression, be sober and watch unto prayer. Because if you remember, before Jesus was arrested, Peter said in his own strength, I will go to the cro- I will die with you. I will never leave you. And P- Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, before the cock crows tonight, you will deny three times that you even know me. Not me, I will go to the death with you, Jesus. But what happened? Just before his betrayal, Jesus went into the garden of Gethsemane. He took all the disciples, but he, he took Peter, James, and John just a little bit further. And then he went on just a little bit further. He told them, he said, watch with me one hour. Just one hour, watch with me. And here with Jesus' Jesus's most trying hour with Calvary looming right before him, he wanted his, he wanted his apostles to just... Watch with him, pray with him, just support him for one hour. And what happened after the hour? Jesus comes back. The three of them are asleep. But notice what he says here. Matthew 26, 40, 41. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and say it unto Peter. He didn't say it to John. He didn't say it to James. He said it to Peter. What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. And because I believe Peter let his flesh get the victory in the garden that night, he betrayed his Lord that very night three times. I'm sorry. Um, Jesus understood the necessity to pray. Luke six twelve and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. You got to think about this scripture here. He went out to pray after he was out all day ministering, healing people, preaching to people. And then he goes, when he should have been sleeping, he goes out and he prays all night to God. And then what happened? The very next morning, he probably went right back out as soon as daylight was Upon the people then, they were mobbing him. They wanted to be healed. They wanted to hear from him. So Jesus spent all that time. He must have been physically exhausted. But spiritually, he was probably on a high because he had spent all night in prayer to God. The apostles understood it after they had received the Holy Ghost, Acts 6, 4. That we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So prayer is a necessity if we want to be Christians who are strong, able, and ready to do the will of God. Amen. Prayer is necessary for our spiritual maintenance. How in the world are we going to keep ourselves pure from all the filth that is in this world today? How in the world can we triumph in the battle for our minds? And don't think there's not a battle going on every day of the, every day of the week that you live, that there's a battle for your mind go, going on between God and the devil. How in the world can we keep our hearts where they need to be? How can we have the power to overcome the moral pollution that is in our world today if we do not pray? The answer to those questions is through consistent prayer and study, of the word of God. Amen. Amen. Now in the time I have left, which is not too long, I want to go through this for you. I have a couple of things I'd really like to, to let you know the power of prayer. Speaking of necessity prayer, now I'm going to talk about for a little bit, the power of prayer. Denzel Holmes, is one of our ministers. He wrote two books about prayer. One of them is this, the moments with the master. Um, he wrote this about, about prayer. He said, prayer is the Powerful because it implores or asks God who is unlimited in power to help us. When we pray effectively, we bring the vast resources of God into our situation and into our circumstances. I think we have to understand that our prayers have the power to change things in this earth. Your prayers and my prayers are powerful because they have the ability to change things in people's lives, your lives and other people's lives. It's not your power and it's not my power, but it is the power of God that is working through us by faith in the name of Jesus Christ that will accomplish every work we pray for. Amen. After Calvary, Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he finds himself and John, him and John both, on the way to the temple to pray. And there's a lame man standing, sitting there asking for alms. And you know what? The rest is history. We know what happened. He healed that man. And there was a a whole big thing that happened after that in Acts chapter 3 through 5. But but what would have happened if he wasn't a praying man? More than likely, even though he had the Holy Ghost, hear me. Even though we have the Holy Ghost, if we don't pray... We still don't have power. Amen. If you want to have power with God, with the Holy Ghost, we need to pray and pray often. Pray continually. Pray always as the Bible says. But keep ourselves in prayer and close to God each and every day of our lives. If he didn't pray, I doubt very much he would have healed that. He probably would have walked right by him and would not have even realized that he needed help. Amen. Amen. The New Testament is full of miracles and the power of God. Blinded eyes open, lame people healed, dead raised, all manner of sicknesses and disease healed, demons cast out. These things were all done by the apostles. Why? Because they had the power of God in them through prayer. Those are great stories. I love the Bible stories. But what about our day? What about today? Can God perform miracles for between? With you and me? Amen. Amen. You don't have to be a minister. You don't have to have the, the, uh, a minister's license from the United Pentecostal Church or any other church. Sure, sure. What you really need, you've got all you need. If you've got the Holy Ghost and Jesus' name, you've got all you need for God to do miraculous works in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do we really believe God can do those kind of works today? You know... When you pray, blind eyes can be opened, cancers can be healed, the lame, can par- the lame or paralyzed can get up from their wheelchairs. There was, a, there was my mom's friend who, uh, she had a friend for many years. Uh, this was before we actually were in church, and she was involved in a very bad car accident. And uh, what happened was, when my mom did get into church, she would tell her to come to church. She was paralyzed from the waist down, and she was sitting in the wheelchair for years. And my mother told her, Please come. God can heal you. Please come. We believe in spiritual healing and physical healing. And one of these days, the lady listened and she came. She came to church. I'll never forget. I was a young Christian. We were probably in church only about a year or so. And we came. We came and, in fact, Pastor, you might have even been there that night as a young man, a young boy at the time. I don't know if you remember this. You probably don't. But, um, but uh, we, they wheeled her right up to the front. The, the husband even left. And uh, there was a visiting minister there that night, and he preached a message. And then, after he preached the message, he went over to her and he asked her, Do you want to be healed? And she said, Yes. And so he said a quick prayer. All of a sudden, I'm standing in the back of the church, and the next thing I know, I watch her get up out of that wheelchair. But she not only got up out of the wheelchair, she began to walk all around the sanctuary. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. Her son walked in the door and he walked in and I was standing right there and he looked at me in amazement and he goes, "Is that my mother?" And I said, "Yeah." So he goes, "My goodness, she hasn't walked in years." I said, "Well, she is walking now." Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Let me tell you something. When you pray, miracles can happen. Yeah. Miracles can happen. Amen. One one morning, my wife got up and she was looking at my son, my kid. He had a He was only five years old, but he had a baseball-sized lump on his neck, and it was hard as a rock. We rushed him to the doctor, and the doctor took a look at it, and he said, go to the hospital, go to the emergency room. I'll have people there to take him in. And sure enough, we did that. Well, my wife had to stay with him in the hospital. Of course, I had to work and take care of my other two children, but my wife was taking care of my son, and he had this big lump on the side of his neck. It was hard like a baseball And it was about the size of one, too. And they were all looking at it. They didn't know what to do with it. My wife said there was one guy was coming in after another specialist, so to speak. And they're looking at this thing, touching it and squeezing it and do it. And they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. So they put them on antibiotics. But day one goes by, nothing happens. Day two, nothing's going on. And now they they don't really know. They said, well, maybe it's some kind of bacterial infection. They thought it might have been mono, but it wasn't. And they didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out what to do. One doctor says, well, let's try to inject, some, inject, uh, inject it and take out some fluid out of it. And so they tried that, and it was so hard they could not even get any fluid out of there. They were really, I, I think they were really confused and really upset. They didn't even know what was really wrong with him. Well, the next thing they said was the next day, we're going to, next morning, we're going to have to come in and we're going to have to lance this thing. And my wife and I were so frantic. We were so afraid that we're going to have to take him into the operating room and operate. It was only a five year old boy. We didn't want this to happen. So we were praying. We were praying. I left. She stayed with him that night. And she tells me that the next morning, when she woke up, all of a sudden the thing had gotten soft and started to shrivel up and almost disappear. And the doctors came in, and they looked at it and said, oh, no, we're not going to lance that. We'll just, we'll just let the antibiotics do whatever they're doing. I believe God. I, I know that he was taking antibiotics, but I believe God intervened there and did a work there because of prayer. Amen, amen. Praise God. God does marvelous things when we pray. When you pray, life situations change, things you never thought possible could happen. There was an old Italian woman in our church. Her name was Julia. She had her husband's, his name was Dominic, and she spoke in a broken and English. And she was speaking like that, A oh, Brother Joe, do you know my Dominique? He's going to come to the Lord someday, you know that. And I would say, okay, Julia. Now, if you knew Dominic, you would know why I said, okay, Julia, because Dominic was a nasty guy. He wasn't nice to her. He, in fact, he was so mean to her that it hurt his children. His children disrespected their mother. He used to make fun of her about church, about this, about that, the way she looked because she let her hair grow. She would wear long skirts. He made fun of her with all these things. He used to make fun of her when she came home from church. To the neighbors, oh, look at her, look at her. 20 years this woman kept praying for this man. Let me tell you something. Prayer really works because I said when she used to say to me, oh, Brother Joe, my Dominique, he's coming to the Lord. The Lord told me, and I would say to myself, oh, yeah, sure he is, sure he is. I'm sorry to say that I really was faithless but let me tell you something 20 years later don't ever give up on your prayer never give up on your miracle 20 years later who comes in the door Dominic he not only came in the door he come to the front got the Holy Ghost was baptized in Jesus name hallelujah praise God God can do all things through prayer. Hallelujah. And when we pray, God performs miracles. Real quickly. One, one Thursday night, it was a Thursday night. Yes, it was. It was a Thursday night. And I was speaking, and I, I spoke a message called, uh, Sometimes You Just Need a Miracle. And after we, after we finished the service, this Spanish woman came over to me, and she said, Brother Joe, would you pray for, would you pray for my son? I said, What's the matter? She said, we went to the doctor and they did an MRI and they said, my Joshua has his brain tumor. I said, sure, let's pray for him. Well, we did, we just prayed a very sincere, but very just small prayer. And we, we went home. Well, it pro- probably was maybe three, four weeks later, something of that nature. She come up to me so happy. Brother Joe, she said, guess what? I said, what? She said, they did another MRI. His brain tumor, it isn't there. They don't know what happened. They don't understand, but there is no brain tumor. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. That Joshua went into, our, went into our military and is serving in the Marine Corps today. Praise God. This is what can happen when we pray. And the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Look, did anybody listen to Brother Cunningham's message on prayer? <laughs> so I don't, have to, I don't have to go into it. He told you what to do. He told you what praying without ceasing is all about. And if we will commit ourselves to pray without ceasing, probably one of the most funniest things I heard in that prayer thing was that he prayed in the shower. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's kind of funny, but I do the same thing sometimes. (laughs) I didn't think anybody else did. I guess I'm not so embarrassed now. (laughs) But we can pray anywhere we want to because you know what? God is with us everywhere we go. And he's with us in everything. So pray without ceasing. Just be real with God. And God will be real with you. Amen, 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 amen. We are living in wicked days. And we are living before the coming of the Lord. And I believe if you know, you've been, in, you've been, you've been around. And you know what's going on in the world today. You know that what Isaiah said in Isaiah 5, 20 through 21. It's very true in the New Living Translation. What sorrow for those who say evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. That's the reason you and I need to pray every single day. Pray every day. Pray without ceasing. Amen. I'm going to close with this. You can stand. Praying is the most important thing that we can do. We all need to have a personal prayer life, a time when you and I get alone with God every day in prayer. We need to pray if we're going to live overcoming lives in the times in which we live. And we will need to keep ourselves in this day in revival. In other words, keep yourselves on fire for God. Keep yourselves in prayer. Let God renew and revive you each and every day. Even when you don't think you need it, still pray that God would do that. Letting God renew us day by day. It's the only thing, if we can just pray consistently, God will do these things. I don't know about you, but I need revival. I need to be living in revival every day because this world has a way of sapping your spirituality, your spiritual strength. God fills you up on a Sunday. We go out into the world. We can be empty on Monday evening if we're not careful because the world has a way of getting us out of our spiritual a high, if you can say that. If we're not careful, we could find ourselves drifting away. It happened to me. It was only God's mercy and grace that I'm here today. Prayer is necessary. Prayer is powerful. Prayer moves God. Prayer changes circumstances. It changes situations. It changes attitudes. It changes hearts. It changes everything. Amen. Let's come to the altar tonight. And as you come, you know your own you know who you are and what your what' your personal commitment to God and prayer is. and whatever that is, I pray tonight that you'll even go a step further and maybe just go a little further with God. If you're new, just make a commitment. Praise God, because God wants to meet you in prayer tonight. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. It's so easy for us to lose that that place in our hearts and lives with God when we fail to pray. But we will commit ourselves to him tonight. Oh, God, we praise you tonight. I know you will restore us. I know you will revive us, Lord. Oh, we praise you tonight, Jesus. We praise you tonight, Jesus.